welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of Officer W80 and Director General of the Independent Office for Police Conduct. The citation for this case is 2023 UKSC 24. And the facts of this case are relatively simple. The appellant W80 is the pseudonym for an armed police officer who shot and killed a man called Jermaine Baker during a police operation. Baker was part of a plot to spring two individuals from custody, but the police had intelligence about the plan and information to suggest that Baker and others would be in possession of firearms. According to W80, during the sting Baker's hands moved quickly up to a shoulder bag by his chest. The officer feared for his life and the life of his colleagues and fired one lethal shot. Ultimately it was discovered that the shoulder bag did not contain a firearm and there was only an imitation firearm in the back of the plotter's car. When this sort of incident happens, an investigation is conducted by the respondents in this case, the Independent Office for Police Conduct, the IOPC. They concluded that W80 did have an honest belief that he was in imminent danger, but that belief was unreasonable, and so he did have a case to answer for gross misconduct. Their basis for this was the use of the civil law test, such that any mistake of fact can only be relied on by an officer if it was reasonable in the circumstances. The IOPC then sent its report on to the Metropolitan Police Service, the MPS, but the service concluded that the IOPC had made an error of law in applying the civil law test rather than the criminal law test of self-defence, which would instead look at the honestly held belief of the officer. The question made its way to court via this judicial review, and the Divisional Court originally agreed with the MPS that the criminal law test applies. Interestingly, the Court of Appeal concluded that neither test should apply, and instead the Tribunal in Police Disciplinary Proceedings should simply apply the test for the use of force contained in Schedule 2 to the Police Conduct Regulations 2012, which is whether the force was, quote, necessary, proportionate and reasonable in all the circumstances, end quote. W80 appealed to the Supreme Court, arguing that the criminal law test should apply, and that is where we pick things up. The justices began by noting that the legislation does not specifically tell us whether the criminal law test or the civil law test should apply. Nevertheless, they concluded that it is actually the civil law test that should apply, and that the IOPC was correct in its original decision. Their basis for this conclusion comes from several factors and contextual clues. For a start, the standards of professional behaviour set out in the regulations are each framed as statements of objective fact, such as the requirement for officers to act with integrity. As such, the standard when it comes to the use of force should also be objective and not include subjective elements, which is what would happen if the criminal law test is used instead. Secondly, in previous versions of the regulations, the word knowingly was included, and this suggested a degree of subjectivity. However, since 2008, that phrasing has been avoided, and this deliberate omission suggests a more objective test. 
Thirdly, the purpose of the disciplinary provisions contained within the regulations is more than about punishing wrongdoing. It is also about learning and development for the officer at the heart of the proceedings. And again, this suggests that the objective test is more appropriate so that the reasonableness of mistakes can be looked at and there is an opportunity for the officer to change in the face of unacceptable conduct. For the fourth reason, the court compared the standard of professional behaviour with the Code of Ethics published by the College of Policing. It had been argued that the Code of Ethics should inform the interpretation of the standard, but the justices held that this was not the case. The Code was published four years later, and specifically says that for misconduct proceedings the wording from the 2012 regulations is to be used. When the case was before the Court of Appeal, the judges in that case had attempted to link the standard and the Code of Ethics. In particular, the Code of Ethics does incorporate the criminal law test of self-defence. The problem is that the regulations brought about a fundamental shift in law, and the Code of Ethics is wrong in this regard. With that in mind, while the Director General of the IOPC is obliged to take account of the 2014 guidance and the Code of Ethics, this is not to the exclusion of the legislation contained in the 2012 regulations. Another factor identified by the Supreme Court is that the test applied in England and Wales should not be influenced by how disciplinary proceedings operate in Scotland and Northern Ireland. Finally, the test in England and Wales is also not informed by Article 2 of the European Convention on Human Rights, the right to life, which in any case would not require the application of the criminal standard. In the end, it was decided that the IOPC was correct to apply the civil law test, and so the appeal by Officer W80 was dismissed. I think that what is at stake at the heart of this case is a question of policy. Namely, what standard we think public officials like police officers should be held to when exercising their role. When we are talking about qualities such as integrity and the proportionate use of force, it makes sense for the standard to be objective rather than allowing the subjective views of the officer to inform their approach. This case is a perfect example of this because the difference is literally a matter of life and death. The reasoning of the court does make sense, even though there isn't really one concrete piece of evidence that they can rely on. Perhaps the most convincing factor was the decision by Parliament to leave subjective wording like knowingly out of the standard of professional behaviour when it was rewritten. It was argued that the Code of Ethics contradicts this, but in the same way that it is not for judges to dictate policy, it is also not for the College of Policing to do so either via what they include in their own materials. We should expect a high standard from public officials, and measuring their conduct against an objective standard is an effective way to achieve that goal. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com, who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. This week in the newsletter we were actually discussing the Metropolitan Police Service and in particular the handling of the Daniel Morgan case, which has come to some sort of conclusion now with a settlement between the family 
and the police service. In the newsletter, I sort of try and get into what this means in terms of how the police is able to move forward, especially in light of conclusions of previous reports, which suggest that there was um, an innate corruption within the police. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then do check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week. But for now, bye!